You are Locked On Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Rays podcast with myself, Kevin Weiss, alongside Ulysses Sembrano. And today and Friday, we have the pleasure of being joined by Aram Layton, the creator proprietor of JustBaseball.com. Aram, thank you for joining us. We always appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It's one of my favorite places to to come and just talk baseball. And it's always fun when we put out a, a race top prospect list because the system's always great and you guys always have great questions. So it's always a lot of fun. Yeah, we should dive right into that. Um, you pinned an article, Tampa Bay Rays, top 15 prospects, for 2024 uh, i think we know who it's headlined by but um yeah there we go if you're watching on youtube junior Caminero, um among others as well but arm if you can just kind of give an overview of this list and i guess how fun it was for you to uh compile some of these names I mean, it's it's always a blast for me to dive into the Ray system. I can tell you that much. But you know, I think it's it's interesting this time around where you know the Rays are always able to develop and maximize pitching and and identify. But I'd argue that since I've been doing this, this is definitely the most hitter heavy, position player heavy system that you know or that the Rays have had that I've covered. And it doesn't mean that they don't have some arms of intrigue. But you look through the top seven prospects you know we graduated Shane Boz by just because I think he's he's thrown more innings than our threshold 30 innings we graduate you Boz has eclipsed that and also just like he's been a prospect for like 20 years now uh, <laughs> but I, I feel like this is one of the more unique situations where you look at the top 10 and every single player is a position player so that is unique but the Rays you know they go out they trade for Pepe out who's if he was a prospect would also be, you know, within the top five there. Um, and, and some of the other arms that they've been able to add to the fold that you know, I think are extremely talented. They're confident in their ability to, to go sign guys that are underrated, like an Eflin um, and, and, and go trade for like a Rasmussen before the injury. So uh, it's interesting to see them just really lean into the, the position player side of things though. And, and there's no shortage of talent there though. Now, is that you think because, they have cracked something with the hitting or is it because now they feel so good with their pitching prowess factory uh, mojo that they're like, you know what? We, we can get a Pepio. We can get those sort of guys. Now we can transition to getting a little bit more, more bats. I think a little bit of both. I think when you look at the way they like to draft and their draft models, you know, I won't pretend to know what they're model is otherwise i think a lot of other teams would uh probably be following suit even though you know they haven't been perfect but they, they seem to do a good job whether it's identifying you know through trades or drafting but i i think they often feel like you know the best player available is a bat and there's a lot of volatility that comes with arms we see that i mean look at like a shane boz that you go out and get looked like a slam dunk and we're still waiting you know for him to really be able to finally play we saw what happened with brennan mckay and um you know when you feel really good about the bats that are available i look at a brayden taylor this past draft like he kind of just fell right into their lap then colton ledbetter was another guy that you know i felt like was a borderline first round talent they get him at what 55th overall like i feel like a lot of times probably based on their big board and their models there's bats that are just falling into their lap and they'd rather take that value then, you know, reach just for the sake of getting an arm. And big picture here, Aram, where would you, and I don't know if you're, if you've run through all the other uh, 
prospects and other organizations. But if you can just kind of ballpark where the Rays system is right now in terms of ranking in relation to the other 29 teams, are they third in all of baseball, fifth, seventh, 10th? Where would you kind of pin them at as of today? It's a great question because, you know, once we finish the top uh, 15 prospects for all 30 teams, I could def- like we're going to put out rankings that have the, you know, the system rankings, you know, in, in order um, and, and pretty much just do it based on accumulation of of all the prospect grades we put out so that it's not as arbitrary. But just for the sake of the conversation, because I think it's fun, um, I, I think it's probably in the, the eight to 10 range. Um, I think there's a couple X factors that could really put them over the top, you know, this coming season. But you look at uh, uh, just to spoil our top 100 list is going to come out in the first week of March Uh, Four top 100 guys. You know, that's always going to put you in the top half of the league for the most part. Um, There's, you know, you look at like a Dom Keegan. We talked about Braden Taylor, Ledbetter, like those guys. If they take a step forward or, or play the way that we think, you know, I think they can this coming year, even an Adrian Santana could see them really make that leap. But um yeah, you have the best prospects, you know, a top two or three prospects in baseball and junior Camonero. That's also really going to bolster the system a little bit more, too. Um, so I, I'd say it's probably in the eight, you know, it's seven to ten range, I'll say, to be safe. And now you've dropped the name that everybody is probably logging on to to hear you talk about, Junior Camonero. What can you expect from a Junior Camonero with his talent? We saw a little bit of it last last season. But what can you expect, you yourself as a fan, as a baseball fan, from Junior Caminero? I think show-stopping power um, and and bat speed that, you know, you, you just, you're just going to laugh sometimes when, when he connects. And I, I think we saw a little bit of that, like you mentioned, in, in, in his debut. But um, when you look at the exit velocities and, and you put him up against – the entire major leagues, it, he's up there with just about anybody. Like what we like to look at a lot is 90th percentile exit velocity, right? Because it takes instead of just one off maxes, you know, how often are you getting to the top 10% of, of, of your exit velocities? It's just easier to just, yeah, just grab the top 10%. 111 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velocity puts him up there. I think in like the top handful of hitters in, in major league baseball, but it's not like he's some massive swing and miss guy either. He's not going to be competing for batting titles, but he makes a fair amount of contact. You wouldn't think so with all the moving parts to his swing, but he makes plenty of contact. Um, and the approach continues to get better. But it, it just seems like he's one of those guys that even when he mishits a ball, it's going to get out. Um, even when he's fooled, he can hit it out. And, and that's why I think he easily is going to have you know seasons where he can hit 30 plus. I, I think there's a chance he could hit 40 uh, if he's able to elevate more consistently. Uh, but I, I think you're looking at a guy that has as much offensive upside as, as, as any prospect. Follow up to that. Is there any chance that he will or can play shortstop at the big league level, or we shouldn't even be having that conversation anymore? He's a third base corner outfielder. He's not a, he's not a shortstop. You know, I I think you could put him there and it wouldn't be a totally unmitigated disaster. Um, And I think he's come a long way in terms of, his mobility and his, his defense. And I think he's still, I think that's a focus for him. Um, but I, I just knowing how much the Rays value defense, uh, especially at shortstop, I, I think you're, you're, you're stretching him a bit thin there. It's a guy that you want to be, you want him focusing on just hitting bombs and, and playing big league shortstops, a, a different beast. I, 
I think he can develop now into those questions, whether he'd be able to play third long-term. And I think he's, he's answered that. And I think he can play a, a solid third base, but outside of plugging in here and there, you know, emergency start here and there to plug in a short. Yeah, he can do that. But I think if he's playing there day in and day out, not only is it going to start to pile up in terms of, you know, balls sneaking through that the range just isn't there for uh, the actions maybe aren't as smooth as you'd expect from, from a guy that you want to play shortstop. I also think you're, you're taken away from his ability to just focus on doing what he does best, which is just mash baseballs. Uh, we've had this conversation before, Kevin, but I don't remember where you landed on. Uh, I, I I said no. Did, uh, do you think, Kevin, that he's going to start on the opening day roster? I don't believe so, and that's kind of where I know where you're getting at with Aram. I think that um, he, I don't think he's played a rep in AAA, so I wonder if they're no, going to give it. him some some more seasoning. I guess I mean not the I, I won't take the question from you, listeners, <laughs> but I think we're we're on the same. No, way but. Way. And no, we we're on the same wavelength. That that's what happens when you when you've been talking baseball f- together for more than a decade. Um, so you know it. Our, our, uh, do you think uh, he's going to see some AAA action before uh, finally getting that call up? And if so, which probably will be happening, how much time do you think uh, he'll see down there? It's a great question, um, and, and I, I loved his answer. You know, I think he, he he touched on it briefly, where he's like, "Hey, you know, if if I go to Durham." I'm not going to be there long. Um, and I love that confidence. And I, and I think he's right. Um, I think it's like a Jordan Walker type of situation, Anthony Volpe type of situation where I think if, if the, if the opening day was tomorrow, probably going to AAA. but those two guys were so impressive in spring training that it really forced their hand and the big league teams, the Yankees and the Cardinals. Um, I think if Caminero has just this ridiculous spring, it'll be impossible to justify not having him there. And I generally don't think you can put too, too much stock into the spring, but when it's situations like this and Caminero's hitting the ball, like we know he can and, and playing a decent you know defensive third base, if they have him getting reps there or wherever it may be. Um, and then you look at the DH spot and, and right now, I mean, that's a spot where you know you, you might plug in Aranda, you might plug in Harold Ramirez and, and, and I like those guys, but, Neither of them have the potential to hit 35 home runs, right? Like, and if Caminero has shown you that he might be able to do that, I, I think you got to do it. So I would say right now, safe answer is he goes to AAA. But I think if he performs in, in spring training, he has a chance to, to earn a spot. If he just has a normal spring training, I'd imagine he's in AAA for a month. I, I think he's going to be so comfortable there. I, I honestly believe for, for a lot of hitters, the Southern League was more difficult, especially dealing with attack ball through stretches. Um, the zone's tighter. He's been working on being a little bit more disciplined there. It's only going to work in his favor. Uh, the ball tends to take off a little bit more in AAA. I, I think he would he would really force their hand in a month of AAA too. Game time is the place where you can get the tickets that you want. If it's basketball, football, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, you can find exclusive flash deals on game time. In fact, you can also see the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. With spring training coming up, why not use game time? Perhaps you see Aram. Perhaps you see him taking notes on some race prospects. So today... Take the guesswork out of buying tickets using Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKED ON for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L O C K E D O N for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. 
this will be my last on junior. I don't know if you have another one, Kevin, but I do have one more. If you don't swipe it from me. Yes. <laughs> uh, you, then, then, then you ask Kirsten. Okay. Aram, I guess, um, you being pretty bullish on, uh, on junior, not spending too much time in AAA. follow up on that. Um, what are, where are you leaning? What are the, the odds or the likelihood of him being the 2024 AL rookie of the year? <laughs> How much competition does he have for that? Or can he uh, pencil himself into that conversation? You did steal it from me. You did steal it. Yeah. (laughs) You take the next question. I I love that you asked that. So (laughs) I um, was looking at the rookie of the year odds and I was shocked at common arrow. I think it was how long they were. I think it was like plus like 16 to one odds. Right. So Hmm. I was shocked. And that was one of the bets I've already placed going into the season. I was like, I got to sprinkle on this because I, I think he's just too talented. Like it, it's, it's going to be a little bit harder because it's easier to always side with, with the players who, you know, not only have a direct path, but like maybe have already had a little bit more of a taste of the big leagues, but didn't quite exceed rookie status, but also have guaranteed everyday reps right away, you know, and, and, and you can look at like Evan Carter uh, as someone that, you know, will have that opportunity. But again, like if it common arrow could start a month late and I don't think it necessarily matters if he plays to, to, to his ability, which is, you know, being able to, to drive the ball the way that he does and, and hit the ball as hard as he does. So I think he's, for me, he's a top three favorite. He should be a top three favorite for AL rookie of the year. And um, just, just the upside is, is just too immense to not have him as, as one of the top candidates. Well, you know, Junior gets a lot of love. So let's move on to the guys that might not be getting a lot of love. Uh, looking at this uh, farm system, are there guys that you that you see not getting enough hype, but everything that you see is like, well, why aren't they? Like, why is everybody not looking at it the, the, the right way? So it's funny. I think last time you guys asked me that last time I was on here and I went on and on and on about Xavier Isaac. And mm-hmm. um I'm so happy. I can't answer that anymore, which is great because everyone is 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 on the Xavier Isaac train, which is awesome yeah. because I think he's incredibly talented. Um, I'll go like better, like more known player, and then I'll go deeper cut because okay, there yeah. is one deeper cut name that I don't get why he gets uh, ignored. But um, we haven't seen him play much at this point, so I get it. But Colton Ledbetter, just kind of circling back to the original point, I, I, I again, I, I had him as a potential comp a pick like i thought he would be a guy that could be picked in the in in the 30 to 35 range um i I, just such a well-rounded player good athlete who i I was just surprised to see him fall there and then now i think you look at some of the prospect rankings some of the list he just is a little bit forgotten i think he's closer to Braden taylor than you know people may think and and i think there's a very real scenario where ledbetter could end up being the better player than than Braden taylor when you look at six two outfielder who can you know I think is sneakier speed wise than people give him credit for above average field to hit. I think at least has average power potential, a good approach, just a gamer, just a really savvy game and and has a chance to stick in center. So I look at his game across the board and I just, I really like how well-rounded it is. He may never be an all-star, but I like his chances of being an above average regular. And yeah, if, if people start to come around and believe he's an above average regular, like, a lot of top 100 players are top 100 prospects are guys that, you know, their 75th percentile outcome is an above average regular. So I think Ledbetter's well-rounded game, high floor is kind of ignored and, and there's still enough upside there. He's hit at every single stop that he's had so far. 
Yeah, and he and he handled the transition from Samford to Mississippi State, which mm-hmm. uh, is quite uh, a drastic change in in that league and going to the SEC. And then uh, you mentioned a deep cut as well, besides Ledbetter, Ronnie Simon. Um, Ooh, I I know he was left unprotected in the Rule Five, and I, like he's a unique player because he's been traded for big leaguers twice now: Andrew Chafin, Jordan Lupwell. Um, but Ronnie, Sa- first of all, if you look at his numbers in the Winter League this year, crazy. Yes. But he was a betting champ, wasn't he? I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And, and I've always liked this guy because I, I saw him in person the first time in Arizona Fall League a couple years ago. And it was a, a, a frantic game, right? Where like he very raw, very aggressive, kind of plays like his hair is on fire for better and for worse. <laughs> and he's kind of reined it in a little bit more over the last couple years. And that last year, even more so. Uh, made some some big strides in terms of his approach, uh, in terms of just being a more well-rounded ball player. He's a switch hitter. He's an above-average runner. I don't think people realize for for how compact he is, how hard this guy hits the ball. It's not like he's 25. He's 23. He'll be probably 24 right when the season starts. And once he got up to AAA last year, he got a lot more comfortable. The numbers started to look a lot better. He hit a 107 WRC plus in, in 32 games there. But the biggest thing for me was, Everyone was talking about how aggressive he is. You know, is that going to do him in? He cuts down on the chase. The walk rate jumps to the highest of his career, right around like 12% last year, 11 and change. 13 home runs, 31 stolen bases, a switch hitter. He's stretched a little bit thin at short, but can plug in there, can play second. I think you could throw him in left. He started to play a little bit of left, uh, I think, in, in the winter league. He's kind of this fun super utility type that is a switch hitter who packs more of a punch than people give him credit for. Uh, and it's just a, a well-rounded player. I I was surprised that he was one left off the 40, then even more surprised that he wasn't selected in the rule five. Um, like you got guys like, I love him, but Nassim Nunez being taken, I, I would take Ronnie Simon over him. So I, I just think he's very slept on. I have an average power grade on him. I have above average run. I have average, average field tool and uh, you know, a fringy to almost average hit tool. Like that's a solid bench utility piece at the big league level. And I'm seeing him left off of top 30 lists. So, okay. So obviously there's a shortstop situation in Tampa Bay that everybody knows about. There's going to be some competition in, in spring training. And we've talked about this um, so many times. You know, you got Caballero. You've got possibly a meat option. You, you've got Basabe. You've got Rosario now. Um, they signed Rosario, yeah. So all of these, you know, like you said, a spot start for a junior Caminero, for example. Is there an option that we have been missing Ronnie Simon into the conversation and with a spring training coming up that he performs well, could he get into that conversation? I think he'd have to really, really perform. And the fact that they left him off of the, the, the 40 was a, a little, a little surprising to me, but he did get, you know, a non-roster invite to, to, to spring training to big league spring training. I think because of the defense being a little bit more limited at shortstop, I think they'd probably prefer him in that like super utility role uh, rather than being able to to, to play it every day. Because if, if you're going to have someone that's like, I feel like if you're not going to have Rosario or Caballero or some of those other guys there, you probably want someone that that can really pick it at, at short. And and he's not a guy that's going to like really stand out there that way. Um, but I look at like moving from Vidal Bruhan. Like, I think Ronnie Simon can do all the things that they were hoping Vidal Bruhan could do not in the, in the beginning, like what I'm saying more recently, just hoping, Oh, at least hopefully Bruhan could at least be like a utility piece. And then he wasn't even that right. I think Simon can be uh, like the, the, sec- the second gasp of what people were hoping from Vidal Bruhan um, and be that utility piece for them and be able to play, 
you know, all over the diamond and and just give them some important depth, especially with Taylor Walls out um, and, and some of these other infielders just being so banged up. Before we continue, I have to tell you this. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with winning $5 bet. That's a 150 buckaroos if your bet wins. You can bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with what they have, quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and so, so, so much more. So just go ahead and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. I'll repeat it one more time for you. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to shoot your shot today. FanDuel, they are the official sportsbook partner of the NBA. We talked a lot about Junior Caminero and others. Um, we didn't touch too much on the number two and number three prospects in your rankings Carson Williams and Curtis Mead, respectively. And uh, Carson Williams, more of the defense first, Mead, more of the bat first. When it's all said and done, who do you think will ultimately have the, the better career when we look back Ooh. 15, 20 years from now? That is such a good question because they couldn't be more different. Yeah. Right. Like, I, if it all clicks for Carson Williams, you know, he is an all star shortstop. If it all clicks for Curtis Mead, he's a very offensive oriented infielder right and, and i know he's made some improvements with the arm strength this offseason just continue to try to, to hone in on that um but it, it, that, that's a tough one because i i, I mead is another guy that i think you could answer like people forget that he was banged up last year he still put up good numbers and yeah the, the big league debut wasn't unbelievably great but it rarely is for a lot of guys he he really can swing it and i'm still very very bullish on him I'll go with, though there's more risk here, like Meade's floor is way higher. I'll go with the guy that plays elite defense at a premium position and can run into to 25 to 30 home runs. Like Carson Williams is the kind of guy that could hit 220 and still give you a four, five war. Like that's how good the defense and the power, you know, mix in some stolen bases. Like he's one of the best defensive shortstops in the minors. He hits the crap out of the ball and he's very raw. Like he's a surfer kid. That, you know, from the West Coast that like didn't take baseball like all that seriously until he realized, oh, wow, I could be a first round pick. And um, and like I, I was reading a whole thing about how he didn't even really know that many players when, it, when he first mm. was coming up, like and now has become a junkie with the game. It was on Fangraphs. He did a phenomenal job talking with some of the, the, the raised brass. But I think he's a guy that's still kind of learning the nuances of the game. And and I think when you look at it from that lens, like if the hit tool can even just be a little bit better, he could end up being a, a monster. You're giving me uh, shades of Willie Adamas, a shortstop yes. that can pick it, but has a lot of pop. That's that's giving me Adamas mm. um, vibes. Uh, so it's 2024. Hopefully he can hit at the trop, though. Hopefully Carson yeah. Williams doesn't have some sort of <laughs> eye issue or excuse, whatever it yes. may be, that prevented him from hitting at home, but mashing on the road. That's true. That's true. Um, so it's 2024. We're all getting older. Uh, are there guys in this race system where they look at 2020, where you look at 2024 and you're like, if it doesn't click this year, I I think it's a no-go. Mm, that's a good question. Uh, um, there's a few guys like that haven't even been around that long, but I do feel like I'll start to 
get pretty skeptical after this year. Um, mm-hmm. If if not already, I'm probably already pretty skeptical. Brock Jones is is a guy that just like the tools are fun. Dude played safety at Stanford. Like I mean, he's a, he's a freak. But I was really disappointed with the pro debut. A lot of just the, the live looks I got didn't look great. The underlying bad of ball data didn't look great. Um, like I think it's almost like a start from scratch overhaul the swing and just see what happens type of situation. So like, if it's not happening for Brock Jones this year, mm-hmm. it's probably fair to wonder if it's ever going to happen because of how bad it looked last year. I mean, this was a college bat that just totally looked overmatched at the lower level. So that that's a big concern. I love Greg Jones. I knew you were going to mention, I was, you, you mentioned a Jones. I was like, wait, Brock Jones, <laughs> not Greg both Jones. Jones is, now I see it. Both Jones is like, yeah. I love Greg Jones. He's so talented. He's such a cool dude. He's easy to root for, but when's it going to happen here? <laughs> like he's right. he's, he's going to be 26. I think he'll be 26 on opening day. Um, he's got a hit, man. Like he flies. He, he can run into some baseballs, but I mean, we, we got to see a little bit more. I'm starting to get nervous. And, and it's the same thing with, with Cam Meisner. Like, are you going to hit enough? And, and I'm starting to worry that the answer is, is no. Yeah, the, I mean, the, he can be a great lefty platoon guy. You know, he matches righties, but against lefties, it's like, ooh, you don't want to yeah. see that up there. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I get the feeling Greg Jones is like Steve Buscemi. How do you do, fellow kids? Like, he's getting to that point of, of uh, <laughs> meme comparison there. Where he's like 26 and he's still, you know, bouncing yeah. around AAA. So um, that aside, uh, we have talked a lot about prospects in particular hitting prospects so arm i want to give you the the runway to spotlight or highlight uh, a raised pitching prospect that we should be honing in on and, and focusing more on uh, over the next year plus yeah well i'm glad you asked because there are some some still really intriguing arms i know everyone's wanted to talk about mason montgomery and, and i think he had a you know decent year overall but just looking at guys that have like more upside and and could really make a, a big impact over the next year or two in terms of stuff. I don't think you're going to find a guy in the system with better stuff than Yaniel Curit. It's Curit. I would I hope so. I, I, I don't sometimes. It, it, we'll C-U-R-E-T, right? C-U-R-E-T. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it would be in Spanish, it would be Curit, but yeah. Yeah. Maybe but I didn't know if, if <laughs> some guys just like take the, like yeah. for myself with my name, like Aram, people call me Aram and I just say, okay. Like if I was a <laughs> professional athlete, I just like let people Americanize it and just go with the flow. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what he goes by. I, yeah. I, I haven't listened to enough broadcasts. Usually I watch all the starts like with, with the sound off, but um, he has ridiculous stuff. Like signed for $150,000 in 2019. His fastball is a, is a plus plus fastball. Um, his slider is a plus slider and he's even flashing above average changeup. So you're like, okay, well you just told me he has three quality pitches and two plus pitches. Like why is he not in the top 10? The commands probably like a 25 right now or 30 on. on a lot of hitters last year, but he also struck out 33% of batters. He also held opponents to a 149 batting average. Um, he sits 97 with, with good shape. Uh, there's a really good chance that he's a high leverage reliever at the very worst. But if, if the command can get even anywhere near average or or even slightly below average, I, I think this guy could be a, a frustrating five and dive starter, but that ends up just being disgusting enough to, to be a quality arm. Um, and, and, and that's a guy that, you know, just not 
being on a lot of radars is, is, is pretty nasty. Uh, you don't find stuff like that outside of a, a top 10 in a system very often. Um, and, and I think he could be a special arm. Santiago Suarez is kind of the opposite, uh, but fills up the zone. Being so advanced for a teenager, spotting three pitches for a strike is, is definitely uh, something that you don't find often. But one other name is Andrew Lindsay. He was acquired in that swap with the Marlins of Vidal Bruhan and Calvin Fauché going over and um, you know, Lindsay coming back with, with, with another piece or two. And I, I think it's a really unique, I, I understand why the race took him, right? They love to, to target guys who throw weird or have really unique uh, shape to their stuff. Uh, Lindsay has a unique story in itself where he called it quits after junior college and then mm. went back and decided to, to pitch again and ended up at Tennessee. And then the stuff was insane there ended up being right there with Chase Dolander as you know, their, their weekend, one of their weekend arms and was a fifth round pick. Uh, and, and I, I think you look at the, the release, it's super unique. The fastball has ridiculous run to it. Like 18, 20 inches, sometimes a run hitters look extremely uncomfortable slider working off of that. I think he's a high probability big league reliever, but they may even try to keep him as a starter. Definitely deserves a little bit more shine. Cool. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff as always, Aram. And we're going to be happy to be joined by you on Friday's episode as well. In addition to the Tampa Bay Rays top 15 prospects for 2024 on just baseball. um, What else do you want to plug? What else do you want to promote on the site, uh, on social media, on podcasts? The, The floor is yours. Oh, thank you. So, of course, putting out all the top prospect lists on JustBaseball.com. Really excited about, um, you know, our coverage uh, that we have just in terms of our whole MLB staff going into the season. But on the call up, our prospect podcast, we recently just broke down the entire farm system. Um, So if you want to check out that race farm system breakdown, check out the call up. Um, Also interviewing a lot of players. We'll be keeping you briefed on on the minor leagues all season long there. And then, of course, our flagship podcast is the Just Baseball Show, joined by Walker Bueller every Monday. Um, And that's five days a week as well. But I appreciate that. 